You're listening to the Art of Floating podcast. Another episode of the Art of Floating podcast where float centers thrive. This is a weekly podcast that tells our stories of running our own float centers, giving tips on starting and running our float centers, and sharing information from around the world on the world of floating. You can find us on Facebook at The Art of Floating. You can find us on Twitter at Artful Floating. And join the conversation on the show here by leaving a speak pipe on theartoffloating.com. Basically, you just leave a voicemail on your computer. It's the gold bar on the left side of the screen. When you go to theartoffloating.com, click on that and leave us a voicemail. We'll share it, talk about it, all that good stuff. Um, also, you can visit our show notes page. Every episode has a page where you can go over the show notes, review if you're looking for a particular episode. That's a great way to, to find it, going through the show notes. Uh, any links, any products that we talk about, we'll always do our best to find a link to those things and throw it up there. Uh, and uh, any pictures, anything that we talk about, uh, we'll, we'll throw a photo up there of it as well. If you ever want to catch Lance's sweaters, they're all archived in the show notes pages. So chiggity check it out. Lance, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Dylan? I'm doing very well, thank oh, you. You sound quite chipper this evening. It's been a pretty good week in comparison to last week's episode, yes. Um, I should note real quick, uh, Lance is with the Float Shack in Red Deer, Canada. I am in Portland, Oregon with the Float Shop. And I should also point out that Amy is not joining us tonight. It'll just be just be the boys on this episode. And uh I'm excited to have Will Schonels on the show today. He's from Liber. He works on the tech stuff um, for Liber in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where they're doing a lot of um, the modern research on floating. Um, and so he, he just kind of gives some of his insights and some of the background on how they have to modify equipment and what kind of equipment they use for testing in a float tank. So we'll play that at the very end of the show here. So um Oh, and I also should note that last week we said we were going to talk about hiring, and uh, I want to do a, a big episode on hiring, going all over the kind of best practices that we've gathered. Um, but without Amy, it just wouldn't be right to go that in-depth. So what we're going to do is um, we have a few things that we want to talk about with, with our week, and then we also want to just simply tell stories of hiring, stories of I think all of Lance's are good stories. I've got a mixed bag of, of things that have gone great, things that have gone bad, and things that have gone good, bad, good, bad, good. Um, so uh, we want to share all those stories. And if, if that's the time where you're going to reach for the dial and, and uh, change the station, I would say that some of the best learning I've ever had is by simply hearing other people's stories rather than just the uh, textbook, this is how it's done. So I, I have a feeling there'll be some good stuff in there. From uh, from our experiences, oh, there always is, <laughs> right? There always is. So you I, you mentioned. I, oh, go ahead, Lance. Go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say every episode, no matter what we talk about, I come into this episode and I leave with more information than I came in with. So it's always great chatting with you guys, and I feel like I'm always learning something. Guaranteed. So. That, that's that's the absolute truth. Like oh, yeah. guaranteed, you walk away with something more than than you came in with. Or at least, yeah, that's been my experience too. And and uh, we we're. I don't know if it was before this episode or last and last episode, but uh, just talking about the fact that um, my business is run differently because of this show. Like we're we're, I, you know, I wish I was able to take a hundred percent of the advice and apply it, but I'm only human, and I take little piece by piece and <laughs> and start start throwing it at the business. It's it's pretty cool. Before we get started, just want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Float Away. 
Floataway makes tranquility tank. They make float around pools. And we've talked about Colin basically maybe certified genius. We haven't verified that yet, but he's a pretty brilliant guy. And something that just occurred to me was um, during, I think it was during the last year's float conference, he was talking to me about water filtration and the fact that um, based on the design of the tub, how the, the water is actually filtered, um, you know, the shape of the tub will affect the, and the volume of it will affect the power of the pump that you want to be filtering the, the water with. And so, um, Sometimes uh, tanks will be modified, like ours, for example. Uh, people want more filtration, and so they'll put a, a jet engine, basically, onto a, onto a float tank. And that isn't necessarily the best way to actually filter the water, because you could find that, oh, this, there's so much movement that it creates basically like a static island of water in the middle, so it's not actually all passing through the filters. And so I don't know how one does that research or does that math but Colin understands it so he he's done the equations to figure out how does that water what's the right um uh horsepower uh, you know the, the right amount to get through um for the right filtration um you know for I don't know if his if gosh off the top of my head if it's 10 or 15 minutes for for what they recommend but you know for it all to pass through a filter um during the during the transition time so um I just think it's pretty cool that he's he's been in the industry for a bit and he's considered it all pretty cool uh they're at floataway.com again that's www.floataway.com if you want to check out their float tanks one quick thing i want to mention before we get started and i mentioned this a long time ago when we were first uh booting up uh the show is startup podcasts the this is a show that it's um it's very well done it's a high production podcast and it tells the story of starting businesses and and it just came into my mind this week because they started season three um, and so of course i'm going to tune in for that but the best episodes was from season one of the startup podcast which is a very meta concept of they were <clears throat> telling the story of them starting their own float center so the concept is actually pretty meta, which is they're uh, recording the story of them creating the podcast itself. Um, so th I was actually listening to this before we even started this podcast, and I found it fascinating. So many of the hurdles, so many of the lessons learned are just true to business, whether it's a brick and mortar, whether it's a podcast, no matter what it is, they're just true stories. And there's so much to gain from them. So I would just encourage anybody, um, if you're listening to this show, it means that you know how to get to a podcast. So check out Startup, uh, made by Glim Gimlet Media. Um, highly, highly recommend them. Lance, you were mentioning uh, me being a little chipper. Yeah, I might be. I didn't. I didn't. I wouldn't <laughs> say I was chipper, but uh, yeah, I might be. There's uh, a lot of construction going on around me. We've been talking about that for a few episodes. Um, the fact that they're they're putting in, I think you had the, the name for it, Lance, but basically these pylons, they vibrate into the... Pilings. 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 Piling, yep. And uh, it, it literally causes an earthquake um, around it, and it, it, it's crazy. Like, you can't get anything done. You can't hear things. It's, it's crazy vibration. Um, so let alone floating people. We were um, on the last episode talking about all the different things we were planning on doing, opening later... Um, uh, closing later, um, opening on Tuesdays in the evenings once they'd be done with their construction. Basically, everything we could do <laughs> to not lose 
tons of cash during the time that they're doing crazy construction. The upsides were um, they start at 7.30 and they stop at 3.30. So um, we could at least have our evenings available and they don't work on weekends. So th those were the upsides of, of what we had to work with. Well, as it turns out, they have been incredibly um, forward in talking to us and working with us. Um, they wanted to know how much projected revenue we'd have during those times that they were doing construction. They were talking about perhaps compensating us. All sorts of ideas were passed back and forth way beyond what I was anticipating because as far as I know, they don't have wow. any legal requirements on, on doing that. So that just tripped me out. And then the final... Um, the, the, what, it, what it's come down to at this point is they have a 30-minute window during our transition time where we told them, make as much noise as you want. Nobody's floating during that time. And what they do is they prep two pylons. One's all vertical, hooked up, ready to go. And as soon as, let's say it's a noon transition, at 11.40, brrr, they start driving that into the ground. They you know release it, hook onto the other one that's been prepped, onto the, the big machine that vibrates it down. About 10 or 15 minutes later, you hear brrrp, and they drop that one down, and then it's silent for 90 minutes. It's crazy. That's that's awesome that they're willing to it is work phenomenal. all their schedule around Can you believe around that? that. I that's... mean, one of those times I, I went and, and talked to him, um, the, I don't know what, the project manager or whatever the guy on the on the field goes, hey, you know, to, to the guy running the deal, the the. Pylon? What you, <laughs> Piling. Piling, thank you. Piling. Piling it's... into the ground. He goes, you know, <laughs> hey, you know, how much time do you need to do this and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, I've got 32 or like 36 of these to do. And I'm paying $25,000 for the tractor. And it was like $15,000 for the vibration machine thing. And he's and it just kind of clicked in my head. Like, we're, we're kind of chump change financially compared to what they're doing here. Like, this... He, he needs to get this work done. So the fact that they are bending their schedule, working with us, mm -hmm. incredible. I mean, they will be our neighbors for a year, so I think it's to some degree. Maybe he's had some bad incidents with, uh, with that, but, uh, man, I, I couldn't be happier. I'm, I'm really over the mm -hmm. moon. So obviously they're all getting free floats uh, from us, and um, maybe they won't use it. Maybe they'll give it to their wives. I don't know, but um, we definitely want to show our thanks to them, and <laughs> we've been kind of we've been going around to other businesses and like getting donuts for them or gift cards stuff like that because we we really want to show them our thanks and keep this this gravy train rolling because oh my god that's great yeah and you can you should if you ever have someone around you that's under construction i highly suggest going and talk to them because um our neighbors we they've been under construction for possibly oh, i would say six months already five months maybe and um, they've been working with us as well. So we're closed on Mondays. And whenever they like they need to run plumbing and electrical and insulation stuff through our section of the building. Um, so they've scheduled all of that work to happen on Mondays. So when we're closed right at 8 a.m., they're ready to come in and start <laughs> nice. doing their work. And they did that all day yesterday and they'll be back next Monday. So um, and they, they've tried to be quiet as much as they can, but. Unfortunately, with construction, like that's part of what has to happen is noise has to be made. Right. So um, they try to work with us, but they still do make noise. <laughs> 
but you don't get complaints, right? We've talked about that before. Like it's been uh, really positive. Yeah, it's been it's been quite positive. We've um, very little for complaints, mm-hmm. uh, but sometimes it is worrisome when you're doing a walkthrough and you hear a, <sighs> you know, a reciprocating saw or something <laughs> going off. But yeah, very little for complaints. Yeah, these rooms are completely soundproof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's it. it it falls down to the customers, too. A lot of them do oh, yeah. understand. Like, it's not our fault that there's construction going on. It's part of part of what happens in a modern society. Mm-hmm. Construction happens. So, mm-hmm. um, And uh, when a lot of people, once they put earplugs in and their ears are under the water, a lot of that, that small, minute noises just dissipate. It's and the vibrations that travel. I feel like the more people float, including myself, the more I don't care when I hear or feel something. Like, it's... I don't know. You just kind of get into a flow with things. Do you, do you find that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I should also note that on Tuesdays we're closed and they have the total go ahead to just do whatever work on those days as well. And they, they take advantage of that. So cool. That's two people with two positive stories working with construction crews. That's, that's pretty cool. So are you happy you didn't go and change your schedule like you were uh, planning on doing? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Oh my God. I, I get tired just thinking about it. You know, it's just Good. so stressful thinking about it. I just go, oh man. Oh, I don't want to do this. I was worried for you when you brought that up. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Lance, you got a few, few things that happened this week. I want to hear about it. Yeah. So just a few things happened this week. Um, yesterday, again, we were closed and the other guys were doing construction and actually Matthew is away for the week, so I'm sort of riding solo, Um, I decided to put in these new LED lights into our float rooms. And I figured it'd be, you know, one or two hour job. I sort of cheaped out and bought some some cheap Chinese ones when we opened (laughs) up thinking they'd do the job. But unfortunately, uh, the humidity sort of destroyed those. So they've been out of service for about eight months. So I spent Mm. all day yesterday putting in these new lights and it was just absolutely exhausting. So Um, we're not talking about LED bulbs. What are we talking about? uh, LED. So we, when we built our rooms, um, we decided to have fun with our ceilings and we sort of built sort of a drop down ceiling to look like our ceiling is floating. And then around that we put LED strip lighting. So that would shine out a color and our ceiling would look like it's dropped down. Um, but yeah, ever since those sort of broke yeah. all that hard and extra work, like we added up the time. We didn't know what oh, we were doing no. when we decided to build this drop down ceiling. We could have built it out of, uh, just, uh, the, the steel studs, but we used wood studs. So it was extremely heavy oh. and we had to lift it up and put it in place and make all these measurements and drywall it and mud it and tape wow. it. And it was just. I think it was like 40 hours extra work oh. we spent on these things. So <laughs> our lights only lasted about two months and they died. So every time I look at this ceiling, I was like, oh, without these lights, it's just wasted work. So right. um, we sort of saved up with money we made here and there. And I patched the kit together with, huh. you have to buy a bunch of individual components. And okay. we got it all in together now. And I'm quite happy with it. But cool. I had to celebrate my uh, work last night. I didn't forget to celebrate. Ah, <laughs> nice. You, Excellent. Uh, very important so cool i'm glad you brought that up that's good yeah. can you uh, post a picture i'm trying to visualize the the story you're telling can we put that up in the show notes yeah for sure cool thank you you had mentioned cleaning your float tanks when you clean your float tanks you you completely empty it well no 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 um we, we were just speaking briefly I, I spoke with someone 
who uh, recently did some water sampling with their float tanks, and they came back with pseudonomus. Pseudonomus, sorry. Um, and that is basically poo particles in the water. Um, it's fairly common. A lot of float tanks will have in this. Um, last year at the float conference, speaking with Jason McDonald, he was basically saying when you're, you put your child in a bath, turn it on, filled up with water, if you were to test that water, it would test positive for pseudonomus. So it is quite common, but you can, if you, you, you sterilize and clean your tanks properly, you can run it with zero pseudomonas in it. I'm having a hard time saying that word right now. So, um, But uh, this person was asking me how we would go about cleaning this because we've done weekly water samples. We've came back with pseudonomus in the water and we've uh, sterilized everything and then sent our next sample out and we've been cleaned. So um, what we've done is we've taken everything apart on our oasis. It's a two-part... Um, so we have the top part of our tank in the bottom. We've taken the top out and we've cleaned that gap in the middle and then we've siliconed it sealed. We've also stripped apart our pump pack, scrubbed inside all the hoses, cleaned out the filtration basket, the hair basket, scrubbed absolutely everything. The problem isn't necessarily in the water because we can shock our water and kill any bacteria that's growing in the water. Um, we're thinking that the issues is where the water sits stagnant or it can, you know, get caught without properly being cleaned. So that's why it's very important like to be talking about the with talking about float away, like the fact that you can get all the water through the filtration or maybe it doesn't all get through. Yes. Well, okay. yeah, making sure your filtration system is constantly, you know, getting flow through it. But also like the top of your filter canister, when you pull that uh, off, make sure you're sanitizing that with hydrogen peroxide and cleaning huh. that because that's not always saturating your water. Anything that's constantly sitting in your water um, will be killed by the salt and whatever sanitizer you're using. But if it's the outside of the tank or around the tank, that needs to be scrubbed down and cleaned. Um, we do that um, weekly. We do a, a intense cleaning, but we also have some tools that we can scrub the inside any time of day, quickly and efficiently. Nice. Um, so that's very important to do. And I think on tanks like uh, the Oasis, I'm not familiar with many other tanks, but making sure any of those gaps that stagnant water can sit are sealed. I think that's very important. And um, occasionally we get some silicone falling into our tank, but mm. we use our net and make sure we get that out. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and we should talk about what type of silicones people use. Uh, Yes, that's very important, too, because some silicone will actually turn yellow. Mm -hmm. You may know that. So non-yellowing silicone, if you want to use clear, and or there's white as well. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have uh, what we use for today's show, but in the future, we should definitely cover that. that that's an important topic. Yes. Um, and um, while I was still talking about uh, cleaning yeah. the tanks, mm -hmm. um, the whole point we sort of brought this up is that we have a system where we can actually pump our tanks out and keep them into storage. So we have a tank that holds about, I think it's about 800 liters of well, water or float tank water. Yeah. And we have a, a pretty big pump with a two inch discharge hose and we can put this in the tank and pump it out in about 11 minutes. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. So yeah, it, it took some, it took some time and money to put together, but, mm -hmm. um, Oh, we're we're happy we have it. And, and, and I'm sorry, where where is your water storage when you empty out the tank? So we have our furnace room where we have our furnace, our hot water tanks. Um, we have a bunch of room in there. Okay. Um, this is 
it's it's a bit bigger than a, a hot water tank, a 60 gallon hot water tank. It's about about six and a half, seven feet tall, and I don't know about three and a half, four feet round. Nice. Um, so it's fairly big, but so it's like uh, basically like a I mean not built into the building, but a permanent fixture of your space. Like no, um, we can take it out. Like it well, fits through the doors. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. Okay, so you, okay, so what? But basically, like what I was thinking is. Um, off, not oftentimes, but in the lifetime of a float tank, you will probably need to empty your water at some point. And if you want to keep it, it's great to use trash bins or anything really to, to store it for some amount of time before you before you put it back in. And I, I think sometimes people dump their water when really you could just store it and save, you know, between 500 and 1,000 bucks. Yeah. Um, anything like I know on the Oasis, if your liner leaks... Um, mm. then, you know, you can pump out your water and save your water. If your heaters go, you have to drain all your water to change your heaters. So having that storage tank, if you have, if we have a heater go down, we haven't had a ha- yet happen yet. Our heaters have been great. Um, but if we have a heater go down, we think we can have our water pumped out the top off heaters changed and everything put that together within an hour so um, (laughs) just in case anything ever happens we have spare parts we have everything back up and we have the systems to do it because um we i don't want to have to be calling clients and explaining i don't mind calling one or two clients but i'm not calling the whole day of clients and explaining why we can't run floats so that's great um, we sort of prepare for the worst and when it comes it's not so bad oh my god i can't Um, believe some of the amount of times we've repaired our float tanks or replaced pumps i mean like uh, we do have a, a plumbing store less than a block away from us which is very convenient but yeah, man, when it, when it's um, the bottom line of calling people and canceling floats, it's amazing how quickly you can get stuff done and get, get those float tanks back up. Oh, I yeah, love that sure. you have everything prepped to, to do just that. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, and we keep the, the storage tank in our furnace room because our furnace room is very hot. Um, our furnaces are pretty much constantly running through the, the winter, and in the summer, it's just, it's just hot in there. Um, so that keeps the float tank water quite warm, so it doesn't have to do much huh. for ketchup. But, nice, nice. Um, there are ways to keep it even warmer. We want to insulate it and run a hot water recirc line around <laughs> it. So um, we'll basically keep it at float tank temperature water. Uh, um, you got yourself a vertical float tank. That's great. Pretty much. Just, you know, <laughs> cut the top off or unscrew it and, and, and dip in. Sweet. You and Chris measure. Nice. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, um, the Escape uh, podcast podcast. Uh, um, Jeremy Warner has a, another podcast, a new episode out, who has Chris, Chris Meiser on there. Um, so that's worth a listen as well. Uh, sorry, sorry to di- digress there. Just um, since, since you mentioned, mentioned your vertical yeah, his, float tank. His vertical floats wicked. <laughs> um, I know there is a video on YouTube um, oh, okay. where he, uh, he shows his vertical float tank and gets in there and explains his ankle weights and the whole system. Nice. But nice. Um, it'd be awesome to try. That's for sure. Um, I'm curious if anyone's running a vertical float tank in a commercial center. That would be quite interesting. I haven't heard of it. I've never heard of it. <laughs> but maybe we will. Maybe we'll hear yeah. hear from them. Um, um, uh, yeah. I was just going to say another thing while I'm, I'm talking about float tanks and all that. <laughs> yeah. Um, was liners. Um, so I know there's a bunch of different color liners out there. I don't think any of your tanks use liners, do they, Dylan? No, I'm not a fan of the liner, to be honest. No, I'm. I'm actually. I. I'm okay with the liners. Uh-huh. They require maintenance, but you just have to be on top of your water, and um, it really 
makes you take a lot of pride in what you're doing. Um, but I know there's different colors liners out there. There's white ones, blue ones, black ones. And um, recently I've contacted uh, David from Oasis. And uh, I contacted him today about a liner. And he actually had some in stock. So we he got one shipped out immediately for us. And we should have a liner in the next couple of weeks. Hopefully in the next week. Because that's, you know, go through customs and get ripped oh, wow. apart wow. and all that. <laughs> yeah, and then we got to pay duty on it. And so uh, once the liner gets here, our third tank is up and running. So nice. the, the one nice. blue liner we got did have a bit of iron staining on it because ah. uh, um, we did get it. And it was in an acreage, sort of a rural property, so heavy iron content oh, in the water. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just too much work to try and get that staining out. So got it. new liner it is. And uh we're running so congratulations it's been a a slow process for us but you've been um, talking about on the show for a while i mean like from acquiring i mean you've had the room there for so long yeah and and then the story of hey we got a float tank on the way and that's that seemed to take a while it's all just been happening on like our spare time like it hasn't (laughs) been you know any constructions either happened on a monday or after hours and and then picking up the float tank, you know, getting yeah. the salt, getting, you know, ordering everything. So you haul mobile float um, tanks. Yeah. Yeah. You float. <laughs> you float. <laughs> um, I feel like when we went from two tanks to three tanks, that was kind of a game changer as far as like employment goes. Like, I don't, I don't know what your schedules look like now, but we really had to start running it i don't know quote unquote like a like a business you know like Mm -hmm. two people have to be on staff during the transition and that's when we really started our procedures and everything i mean i know you're you're ahead of the curve on all that but um how many people do you have on staff for a transition so right now we've been juggling between one and two mostly it's just one Um, as we bring on three tanks we will be sort of adjusting our schedule a bit Um, we want two on staff at all times but Mm We may just run two tanks in the morning and then because uh, we run on the odd hours. Uh, so we might run two tanks in the morning. So we only run one staff. And then at 1 p.m., we'll bring on the third tank and then our employee won't come on until about three. And, and so that's based on how much people use your float tanks currently. You're yeah. busier in the evening yeah. times. Yeah. Everyone wants those evening spots. The morning are hit and miss. Some mornings we're completely booked up. Some mornings it's um, sort of scattered. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to save us that money on a morning employee, we're thinking yeah. of just running two tanks um, and see how that does. So Well, um, like for, for how we run it is so we open at 8 a.m., we have our um, employees show up at 7 a.m., does the vacuuming, preps the tanks, all that stuff, and is there by themselves till 9.30, right before the 10 a.m. transition. And that's when the second person comes on. Um, and then, I mean, the schedule can change, but basically there's not always two people on staff. You can have one person on staff during the hour that there's um, uh, not a transition. So I'm, I'm curious if that might work in your favor or if you've thought about that. Um, and then the other thing is um, doing the math on looking at previous booking appointments and seeing like, and, and maybe it's just kind of happens organically of expanding hours, but is it worth paying somebody, whatever you pay your employees for the occasional person who floats in the morning? Does that break even? And if I would say break even is good because you're only going to go up from there um, or are you already profiting? And like maybe you do see empty spots in the morning, but is it worth paying two people to be on for the potential 
floaters that could come in and when they do come in it'll, it'll pay for itself uh, mm-hmm. across a month you know what i mean yeah, yeah totally agreed that's that's sort of why we see it as we can we're going to so right now we track every phone call that comes every booking that happens every person we turn away every mm-hmm. cancellation we track everything so um, right now we're turning we're turning about an average of about six people a week away so we want that number to go down yeah. um, we only want to be turning about one or two people away a week it's it's not too bad to turn people away it's right, you know, right. sort of a good thing sometimes but um if we bring those two tanks in the morning, we'll be monitor how many people we turn away in the mornings. If we need to, we'll bring on that third. Cool. But I think we'll just start out with the two and then bring that one on for the evening shift. Because based on um, what you've logged, you're, yeah. you are telling people no for the evening time. Yes. Cool. Yes. Love that you track that stuff. Mm-hmm. So cool. Yeah, benefits of working with a business coach. You know, right. he, uh, you know, he says very important data collected now. It you seems know, like a pain in the ass, but when, you look back and you're like, dang, yeah, look at all this stuff. That's nice. That's <laughs> nice. When when you said, uh, you know, say no to three to four people's bad, but one person, you know, that's that's kind of one or two. That's good. I was like, that sounds like a business coach thing right there. Mm-hmm. Like that's 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 exactly the kind of the marker of well, where you want your business to be at, right? Just on the vanguard. Uh, I can I can bring this back to when we opened up. We were open seven days a week. You know, we'll shut down a bit on Mondays for some maintenance in the morning, but we're open <laughs> every single day of the week. Yeah, and that was good. But our weeks were sort of scattered. So mm-hmm. Monday there's a couple floats. Tuesday mm-hmm. it was you know a few here and there. You know, I don't know the exact numbers, sure. but. Um, when we decided we're going to close Monday, Monday we are closed. All of a sudden, all these people that didn't get a float on the weekend would call on Monday and they wanted to float, but we'd mm. be closed. Mm-hmm. Then what that would do is that there was something, it's sort of that fear missing out, that FOMO. <laughs> uh, people around here, they want everything now. They don't want to book ahead. They want it now. Um, so that would fill up our Tuesdays so and then all... flush into Wednesdays. Right. Got it. So instead nice, of being nice. scattered throughout the week, it would sort of put the rush onto Tuesday cool. and Wednesday, and then we'd sort of ride it through to our busy weekend. So shutting down for that one day was allow us to funnel sort of our customers where it worked best for, for us as a business and our customers. Perfect. And a full day off for you to completely chillax away from your business. And by that, I'm sure I mean actually doing <laughs> yeah. construction and repair yeah. and maintenance. Yeah. But but having a full day to do that, like <laughs> Sandra to this day is pushing for us to be open on Tuesdays partially, um, kind of the open seven days a week motto that, that a lot of float centers run on. And man, I, I'm just, we have too much to do that I, I don't want, you know, a four to six hour window to work on. I want to be able to get a lot done during that, mm-hmm. during that time. So it, I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 nice because we our maintenance we get each tank done in about two and a half to three hours mm-hmm. is what it takes us to do per tank. But then after that's done, we do a bunch of vacuuming, we do dusting. If we need to hang shelves, we do that. If we need to fix anything, you know, mudding or, mm-hmm. or touch up paint, like the stuff you don't want to do when customers are there, like. Right. You know, if you want to move furniture and drag it across the floor, like mm-hmm. you know, that's that's what Monday's for. Save that mm-hmm. for Monday. Yep. Um, it's, it's a nice day. I couldn't imagine, you know, doing maintenance in the morning and opening up at noon again. That was that was stressful for us. 
So I'm excited to talk about our hiring stories um, and how, how that's gone for us. Uh, but first, I want to give a shout out to the Float Conference, our sponsor. Uh, the Float Conference is between August 20th and 21st in Portland, Oregon. And um, although we have uh, somebody from Liber on at the end of the show, I, um, I think it's kind of cool. Like we, we do get some insights on, on Liber and the, the research updates, all that stuff. But we had a really big reveal from Liber at last year's float conference with Justin Feinstein. And um, I'm excited. I, I um, would be really curious to see if we're going to get another big reveal. I just know there's been so much going on behind the scenes with Liber. Um, and uh, um, I just think the, the float conference would be the right place for that. So um, sometimes you get some, some really big updates at the float conference and, and get to take that home. So uh, uh, check it out, floatconference.com, if you want to get tickets and check out uh, Justin Feinstein's presentation from last year and, and um, plenty of the other presenters throughout throughout the years. Oh, the hiring stories. I uh, We always call Jen employee, employee one, but I realized um, two things. We had an employee that I completely forgot about. She was, she worked, I think she was truly our first employee and it happened very briefly. Um, she, she was a little bit of an odd duck. I don't remember how we met. I don't know if she came in just with an application or, or what, but I had basically no, uh, qualifiers for what makes a good employee or not. And, um, she started out just fine. She's, she's very bright. Um, she had already worked with Mind Body Online, so she was actually teaching us a lot about that. Um, but then I started noticing, and it's great that you can notice these things when you live right next door to your center, is she started showing up later and later and less consistently. And um, at one point, I noticed she hadn't shown up, and I flew into the float shop. I, or actually, I think I saw somebody waiting out front. So I, I go in through the back. I open the door for them, let them in, you know, set things up. And as I'm talking to them, she shows up, which is now about five or ten minutes past the top of the hour. And she's like, hey, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Like, no, no, nothing. And I was like, hey, so uh, you're... <laughs> You didn't open the shop. She's like, yeah, like it didn't. I mean, not even a recognition of potential mistake here. And uh, I said, and oh, oh gosh, it's so weird because I, I worked at Albertsons as my first job, a little supermarket, uh, a supermarket chain, and and I once saw the the head of the supermarket smiling while yelling at an employee, not yelling, but smiling. So the customers would see a smile, but really berating uh, an employee. And I was like, God, that guy just sucks. What a sign of just the worst type of human being. And then all of a sudden I found myself smiling and telling her to leave the shop and she's not welcome back. She, she's done here and uh, escorted her, her out of the business. And uh, so I effectively became the man. It was a, it was a pretty weird, pretty weird moment. And um, good lesson on you got to have some, some qualifiers for <laughs> For hiring, um, wow. and then the other thing—the other thing that occurred to me was Brian, our engineer, behind the scenes guy for for the art of floating. He's actually the other the other half of, of the art of floating. Um, uh, ran into the float shop, and he's he's who we call employee zero. Um, and he's always been behind the scenes. He's never worked on the shop, but um, he's helped us with software stuff, with website development, um, SEO, all that kind of thing. So um, that those two two things just kind of occurred to me, like, oh yeah, wait a minute. There's there's some fresh memories here. Lance, you've done some hiring. Yeah, we did. Um, sort of hiring. We sort of just, uh, I could say, ended up with employees. <laughs> um, How does that well, work? Yeah, well, Osmosis. Bruce, 
Um, Bruce was our employee's one or employee zero, as you call Brian, <laughs> where he sort of just we were under construction. We were still framing at the time, and all of a sudden, I'm I got a mask on and gloves and an air hammer in my hand. I look nice. around. And there's this guy standing in the hallway. He's like, hey, <laughs> hey, I uh, heard you got, got some float tanks. <laughs> oh, really? And, okay. uh, so he yeah, knew what he, it was. Cool. He knew what we were doing. Cool. Um, he was actually driving six hours before us to float. So he was driving to the oh. next province over to float um, at Christian's place, which at the, at the time... I was oceanic wellness experience. So um, Christian sort of told him that we were opening up in Red Deer. Hmm. And at the time he was thinking of buying a float or of starting a float center. Oh, wow. So, Interesting. Um, he found out we were opening up and he was sort of not bummed out we were opening up, but you know, he was oh, planning on doing his own center. So yeah. um, he's been along, been here since day one. I think he floated our very first day we opened up. I think nice. he was like the second person to float. <laughs> That's so cool. And then uh, he started out as just helping us out around the shop as sort of a volunteer, just wanting to learn the systems. And then um, when we were ready, we were able to hire him on. And yeah, he basically runs the shop during the week most of the time. Cool, and, got it. And uh, yeah, that's how we end up with Bruce. And he's he's still supporting us to this day. He's floating one or two times a week, every week. So. <laughs> nice. So did he start volunteering and all that to to still kind of learn to start his own business? Do you know? No, I think he was he's just he switched gears. for the love of floating. Nice. Like Sweet. he's been a musician his entire life. How old is and, he? And um, he's about I think he's about mid fifties. Cool. Okay. Um, mid to later fifties. Oh my God, Bruce, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Doesn't look a day over thirty five. That's what yes, he said before the show. So yeah, that's exactly. It's in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's been a musician his whole life. So he just said he wanted to change in pace. He's like, you know, I've played, I've played the songs, I've, I've taught the same guitar riffs over and over. He's, huh. like, I, you know, I want this. So um, huh. he basically spread the word around the entire. Um, entire city to a whole demograph that yeah. I wouldn't have reached because yeah. completely out of my age, age gap. And, uh, he did us wonders there and, uh, ever, everyone loves his company. Everyone loves to hear him on the phone and oh, he's good, just a great employee good. to have. So. Super cool. Yeah. Um, what your business coach, I, what was the top tier of clientele? Was it fanatic? Um, um, they're the a people raving who, fan. The raving fan. So yes. he started out as a raving fan. And yeah, it sounds like still is. We were sort of joking about that one day that our raving fans keep turning into our employees <laughs> and we're losing our <laughs> raving fans. That's so, awesome. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of how it can work. Yeah. Yeah. He, every, he'd float when we first opened up, it'd be once or twice a week. And every time he'd be leaving with a stack of brochures <laughs> and, and his backpack and his jacket and... And then uh, once he got so his long. once he got his own business cards, they were they were everywhere. Oh, so. <laughs> sweet, nice. That's yeah. great. Well, um, I I brought up employee mystery one that I forgot about employee zero, <laughs> and then there's the one we call employee one, which actually a lot of people in the float industry, or at least who have been to the float conference, know. Uh, Jen, um, Jen has been with us since just a few months after we opened, and. Oh, Lord. So let's see here. We met her at the restaurant, Kitty Quarter, from us, and she was waitressing there. And Sandra and I both just went, there's something different about her. You know, like she's, she's, there was checked in, present, um, down to earth. So something about her was different than any, any, um, 
other waitresses, but also just other people that we see around in, in our lives. And all of a sudden, you know, the idea of hiring was kind of on our minds. We, we brought it up. We both agreed. We, we pretty quickly started talking to her about what we did. And she was like, yeah, I'm in. Let's do this. I, I think she tried floating and, and loved it. It totally made sense with her because of um, uh, her ultra running. And I think she had already known about it because of a college class and had been interested in it. So, um, you know, kind of not, not a guaranteed perfect fit or anything, but it, it worked at the time. And um, since then, we have been roommates twice. We've been friends. Uh, we've been mad at each other. We've not been friends. We've been friends again. <laughs> and um, there's been uh, a lot of um, in the employment situation of what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Like, um, and, oh, it's terrible. I, I know <laughs> this is getting back to the shop, but but it's really important stuff and nothing that she's she's not aware of and that she would like spread across the, the entire continent. But um, of figuring out um, what are her her strengths. And so you can <clears throat> keep trying to basically like put a, a round peg into a square or a square peg into a round hole, but it's not going to fit until you if once you put it in the right hole, it, it makes so much more sense. And um over the years, she's fortunately stuck with us, and um, we've really found this awesome gel point of really understanding her strengths, what she she likes to do, where she's motivated, and we've become better managers as we've realized because we've got to just mess up over and over with her, yet she's still stuck with us. <laughs> we we've been able to find like oh like. This is how you work with not only her and this type of person, but as we bring in new hires, this, these are the, like just our learning curve got from years to months to weeks, you know, of mm -hmm. this is how we should approach employees and their development. So mm -hmm. that's been massive with us. And uh, when Emily left uh, for San Francisco, she took on so many managerial duties and she rocked it. And part of that was because we kind of knew how to approach her a little bit and what things to hand off, the speed to hand it off on, and not to take away from from her just just really wanting to take it on. I, I don't want to take away from that, but um, she just did great. She like she just totally rose to the occasion and, and handled it. And now that Emily's back, um, you know, Emily knows how to do everything and, and I'm sure is taking, you know, a lot of ownership of, of the um, of the space, but Jen um, has kind of maintained that, that sense of ownership and, and not control of like, Emily, you can't do anything here. I'm in control, but just, I guess maybe that sense of ownership. And so that's just been awesome for us. And I don't, I don't know that every business gets to have an employee that, um, is able to stick with them through all our horrible, horrible learning curves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll have to have her on the show and tell all the horrible stories of, of, of me being a, a, a micromanaging <laughs> angry boss. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah. That's one thing, like, especially with Bruce, being with us since day one is, you know, so much has changed as we've evolved as a business and made steps to be more efficient. And, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, Bruce, you do it this way. And you go, oh, it's changed. Like we're so <laughs> always changing and yes. he's, you know, always having to catch up. But Oof. that's why it's important to have staff meetings too, is to keep everyone it's consistent so with what's changing. So. We just had, uh, so we had a staff meeting today and then we had a, a private meeting um, with an employee today too. And we he, he brought up the fact that it can be difficult to stay up to date with all of the changes because he mm. doesn't work. It's not a 40 hour work week with him. It's about a 10 hour work week with him. And yeah. so you can try to stay up to date on the logbook, um, but it can be difficult. And I don't have the perfect answer for that yet. And we are in a very high transition point in time What with adding the new float tank and switching our laundry to a service. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I think our field is just constantly evolving and our businesses are evolving week to week. That's one of the weaknesses that I, I don't like um, about our business is that communication. I think this is where Amy could cue in. Um, Amy? Amy? Oh, <laughs> Amy? Amy! Uh, um, yeah, she was saying that she uses Slack for all her communication for her entire team. Um, I don't think her team is as large as yours, but it would be interesting to see what um, people of, of larger, larger, mm-hmm. small, or small to medium-sized right? businesses what are we? I don't know. Uh, use for... Uh, you know, communication like that. Cause I feel it is important. You know, you can yeah, have so many checklists and, you know, we books use, we use and this and that, but we use helm for our, our communications throughout the day. And for, for most of us, that's great because we're, we're in there, you know, every, at least every few days, you know, every other day. And so you can stay up to date, but it is difficult. Like you can flag something as, as red alert, like super important, but, like, if I do that too often, Sandra will be like, hey, does everything have to be a red alert here? Like, is it, is it really a red alert? And, and so then I'm, um, I'm really trying to decide, is it important enough? And then those are the things that can get missed. Uh, I don't know. And you could get red alert fatigue if everything's a red alert. So I, I, don't, know, I don't know the answers how to do that. Um, although I bet you if Graham was on the show, he would talk about projects. That's one cool thing about Helm is that you can um, – like we could have the Nautilus project and if he wanted to know updates on that, we could even say have a sub project of procedures for Nautilus or how to give intros, something like that. And there could be a mini dialogue within that, that, that could be going on. So maybe hmm. I should just be using Helm better. Yeah. Maybe I should just yeah. do things better. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I was just going to talk about Caitlin, our, our other employee, uh-huh. if that's, if that's cool. Yeah. Caitlin has been sort of with us since beginning as well. Um, more than anything, she was just a friend that started floating with us at our house. And she just really loves her friends and always wants to do the best for her friends. So she was willing to give us her time and help us out. So um, for quite a few months, she'd come in and work shifts just voluntarily just to, you know, give us a break when we needed and and learn how to run the run the ship just in case any of us got sick or needed a day off but eventually we end up bringing her on as a as an employee and she stuck with us for almost a year and then she actually decided to move out of the province and she left for well probably almost another year probably about eight months six seven eight months and then she's actually came back now so about a month ago um we put her back on the schedule, so she's been able to help us out, and it's it's funny to see how much has changed since um, before she left versus now, and she still has to grasp some uh, of our systems and see, you know, how we do things differently or more efficiently. And nice, um, but it's nice to have someone come back and they know what to do. They know how to run floats. They know how to fold the towels. They know how to clean. So um, great addition to our team. Awesome. That's for sure. It's Super nice. Cool. Nice having her back. I think that was similar with Emily, hey? Yeah, that, that sounds exactly like, I mean, not exactly like, but very similar to our, our story with Emily where she left and, and recently came back. And man, uh, so when she got hired on, we had been doing our internship program. So basically you come in, um, you learn about how to run a float center. And with four, uh, I think it's every four hours of work, you get a float. And so it's great for people who can't afford floating. Come in, uh, help us out. Uh, feel good about what you're doing and you get a float out of it. Super cool. Um, 
she um, had started floating. I mean, I don't, I don't want to tell her story again. Go, uh, we'll post her mm-hmm. speech uh, at the float conference up. But her, her story of battling anorexia and drugs, uh, drug addiction, and um, to just being an absolutely stellar freaking human being and a, just a rock star employee. But also going from unhirable to uh, a great volunteer to a great employee to a great manager of the shop. And um uh, just just an amazing story. She also left for some time, came back, and oh, it feels so good to have her back. It is <laughs> awesome. Um, I mean, you're always happy for somebody going on to bigger, better things or what's right for them, mm-hmm. but having her come back and that being right for her, too, feels so good because <laughs> she's just such a rock star. Um, but uh, I it also... You know, they're not always positive stories. I, I shared one that I had just remembered that wasn't so good. But I've also had two employees that were very good for a time. But there are two things that I noticed about them. One, I mean, I don't know exactly how to say this, but they basically cleanliness is next to godliness. It was very important things be extremely clean. And both of those people, um, kind of like that um, that sense of control, I think, that, that cleaning gave them a sense of control. And... At a certain point, they were drilling so hard into everything, meeting um, certain requirements in in their mind, not necessarily uh, requirements in in mind, but in their mind of what the perfect scenario should be. They started feeling um, that other employees or myself not doing uh, particular things was a personal attack. And and I've seen that twice now, which is very interesting to see that um, their attitude just got worse and worse. Sandra and I didn't jump on it quick enough to have talks with them about uh, to nip it in the bud and, and change things. And they started poisoning uh, the other employees by basically just kind of talking crap or just bringing the vibe down, you know, the energy down. Um, and that's been really interesting. The other really interesting little tidbit about that for me has been um, they kind of are attract each other. Like people um, that I... Th- worry about as employees uh, who, who might go down that same path or um, with positivity, that sort of thing, are attracted to those people. And so um, I don't know exactly how to put that in a hiring pamphlet for other people, but um, that's just something I've personally noticed and pay attention to when, when we do our hiring now. So kind of kind of some interesting stuff there. Um, it doesn't always go great, but you always learn from these experiences. And I, and I think that's a two-way street. I think given enough space, the employees learn something from it too. Danielle, your latest hire, right? Yeah. So Danielle, she was floating with us for, she floated two or three times before, and she's actually still in high school. So she's almost oh. graduated. I think next month she graduates. So um, she still has a lot of studying and that kind of stuff yeah. on the go. So um, yeah, she floated with us two or three times and she, she fell in love with it. But um, being a high school st- student, she couldn't float as much as uh, yeah. she wanted to. Sure. So eventually when we were ready, she actually dropped off her resume one day and said she wanted to work there. And it was about, I think, six or seven months later, Matt called her back when we were looking and said, do you still want to work here? And she said, yes. So nice. cool. um, we've always said, Matt's always said at least is anyone can drop off a resume, but that doesn't really matter to us. We like to look at our, our float history. How many times have you floated? Do you understand what's going on? Do you want to work here because what we do, or do you just want to work here? Um, so that's how we like to get our employees. Well, that's how we've got, sorry, one of our employees. Nice. The other, <laughs> and you the liked other it. two. Yeah, we liked it. So it's been, uh, it's been good for us. Danielle's been awesome. She's, uh, 
She's had a lot of growth since she's worked with us, and she's really challenged herself and and strives to become a better person every time right. she's walking a client through or um, interacting with them after. Um, Does she have a lot of job history? Um, not really. She worked at one place, I think, for three years before, so oh, consistent. and uh, Nice, yeah. yeah. So she plans on working with us after she's done school as oh, well. Cool. So Sweet. Well, That's rad. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've ever, I mean, we definitely have college students working with us, but never high school students. And I think that's, that's kind of a bigger deal to go get a job and while you're in high school and be consistent with it and, and yeah. be into it, you know, unlike me yeah. bagging groceries. If I wouldn't have said that she was in high school, no one would ever no have known. Way. She's not someone that comes off as in high school. <laughs> she looks like she's in her uh, early 20s. Uh-huh. So <laughs> she knows it too. So she's, she has three older sisters. So she's, uh, <laughs> She's she's pretty grown up. She knows how to how to deal with people, how to relate with people. Yeah. Cool. I mean, we've been through so many hires and and letting people go and not actually not so many people letting go, but um that we've been around four and a half years and there's been transition and and turnover. But um like we had our employee meeting today and you know, there were things to cover, but a lot of it was just about celebrating where we are right now. Like such a good feeling in the float shop and and everybody seems really interested in what they're doing. People are taking crazy amounts of ownership of organizing things, um, rewriting procedures of how things are doing now as opposed to the, how they were 24 hours ago. And um, uh, Abe is is one of our employees um, who I believe started out in our interning with us as well. He's showing up all the time to help with construction and and it's so cool because I know um, he wants. To, I don't know all of his motivations, but I know that he's really enjoying like the camaraderie of it. I know that he's enjoying the actual construction portion of it as well. And and so am I, like I love learning all this stuff from our contractor and, and, um, you know, I can't do all the stuff, but I'm, I'm learning a ton and we all get to, to do it together. You know, and it feels, feels really good to do some hands-on stuff and instead of just things on the computer all day, uh, which is what I find myself doing a lot of. Um, and then we, we were celebrating the fact that we have two new hires who also came through the internship program. So basically we, we would just see them every Tuesday. They just kicked so much ass that when we knew it was time to hire, it was just like, why would we put an ad out? We've got these rock stars right here who, by the way, are already like a quarter to a half trained already, um, on how we do things here. We just need to put them in the, in the, um, in the live scene of things. So, um, Anna and Jackson are just completely killing it and their learning curve is so much faster than others, which I certainly attribute to the fact that they're, they're bright and, and intelligent people. But, um, I just think that we have such a nice flow of things and, um, procedures that it's easier for somebody to jump in and get it. Um, and then they're just taking it off again with the organization, with just refining things that we're doing. So, we're just in an awesome place um, with the shop right now, and, and I know it's not possible for everybody to um, be having people uh, come into their shop and, and help clean and do all that stuff. It, it does. It takes a lot of work to, to do it, but the payoff can be so good, um, particularly once you get the momentum of, of those people coming in. Um, and again, like I've said before, oftentimes those people then trans- transition from just the day that we're closed to weekdays. Um, to helping us out on those days as well. So they really get to understand um, how our how, how a float center works. Um, so, my goodness, just this this snapshot in time is a great, great moment with the float shop community or the, the employees. So it's good stuff. Anything you, you want to send people out on before we, we play our, uh, our interview here, Lance? 
just one more thing I want to mention. Yeah. Um, I know it, the system may be different in America, which I, I probably know it is. But uh, <laughs> I know a lot of people here with their uh, insurance plans, their uh, health insurance plans, uh-huh. they may have a health spending account. Um, we have had some people submit flotation or their float that they purchase through their health spending accounts and get approved. Um, not everyone has been getting approved at this, but some people have. Um, if you have people coming to your center with insurance coverage, um, just tell them, um, please submit this. Uh, worst comes to worst, they say no. Sure. Um, they might say yes, but the more submissions that get uh, brought forward to these insurance companies, the more awareness is going to be spread that people are using flotation as a therapeutic approach. So, um, yeah, like I said, worst comes to worst, submit them. They say no. Um, but, yeah, try and get those in. More data is better. Yeah, we, we have had a few people uh, successful by basically spending those wellness slush funds. They can spend it on mm-hmm. yoga or, as, as you put it before the show, preventative um, health care. And, mm-hmm. and floating is definitely that. So, um, and, and, of course, it can be part of recovery as well. But, yeah, I just completely agree. That's great. And, and that's what you're going for with the uh, CFC? Uh, yeah, that's more or less. That's, that's probably the classification we'll be put under. Um, we're going for the equivalent of what massage is for insurance coverage. So uh, massage therapists are given a number by the National Health Practitioners of Canada. And when you submit your insurance claim, they ask you for your therapist number. Um, if uh, float centers, so if, if flotation gets approved through insurance, there has to be a certification process for a center. So if the center meets the certification process, um, they will then be assigned um, a number, like a, a therapist number, and that number will then be used against claims. Yeah. So okay, cool. um, I've seen your eyes get big when I said certification process, but it's <laughs> it's no NSF. It's nothing like that. It's just it, it needs to be done to put on record to make yeah. sure that everyone's having somewhat of the same approach to I got you. Therapy. So, <laughs> yeah, hopefully uh, we haven't, I don't think we've heard back yet, it's, but it takes some time. That's for sure. They okay. said give them a few months. So, is that right? Okay. Um, yeah. As soon as uh, we hear back, I will definitely be given all the updates cool. here on the podcast. I don't want our listeners to be the last people to find out, Lance. <laughs> so uh, thanks everybody for listening again uh, The Art of Floating on Facebook Artful Floating on Twitter uh, you can always leave a speak pipe and uh, uh, don't turn off the show just yet we have a really cool interview Will Schonels uh, is going to be on the show and, and talking about some uh, research equipment at Liber thanks everybody have a great week what is your position at Liber? my position um, I think on the books it's technically a volunteer but it's more of a um, engineering consulting and support. And what does so that mean? It started off as um, finding equipment that Justin wanted to use. He wanted to measure certain physiological um, data points on people, and so the equipment available right now works like a like a cuff to measure blood pressure, but it doesn't work very well inside the float tank. So we need to either come up with new devices that work in the float tank or mm-hmm. modify existing ones. Okay, cool. I want to dive into that more in a little bit here. But first, I'm curious, how did you find out about floating in the first place? Was it while you were working at Live? I mean, how did that come to be? Had you floated before working there? Had you heard about it? 
Um, no. Justin had recently moved to Tulsa, and he talked at an IEEE event at TU. And what is that? International something electrical engineers, a bunch of E's. So, um, Justin came and gave a brief description about the research he planned to do. And at this point, the float tanks weren't built, and the offices weren't built. So he was looking for students and graduate students to help in this lab. Got it. And so I came up afterwards and talked to him a little bit and gave him my resume, and he hmm. called me back. Nice. What what made you so interested? I really in, um, enjoyed the kind of the feel of the float tank. It feels kind of like science fiction, the way that it's, um, I guess, the way everyone thinks about it right now. And it's never really been examined with the rigor of science. And so I'm really excited into bringing science fiction into um, reality, basically. Cool. That's a really cool way of putting it. I like it. Um, when did you actually experience your first time floating? First time floating was very novel. Um, in, the, in the round float pools, did you do the open one first or a closed float tank? We had the open one up and running first, so that's what I floated in first. Have you developed a preference between the two? Um, no, as soon as you close your eyes, you don't know where you're at. So <laughs> Cool. As an engineer coming from engineering school, what was it like for you going into this world of biology, psychology, this, this medical institute? It's definitely a shock. People do things a little bit differently. Like um, engineers, when engineers, I guess I can't speak for all engineers, sure. but when I try to solve a problem, I define it from the start to the very end, and I kind of put the answer in a little box, and then I get that answer. But here we kind of approach the problem from all different angles. We don't know exactly, like when we started off, we had no idea um, what the end result would look like. Like we've made changes all the way through. And so I really mm -hmm. like that, because you have to stay on your toes and be ready to change. Can you give any examples of that? Yeah, kind of like the, uh, the squeeze ball, the idea that it started off. Like we wanted people to be able to squeeze to give responses, but as we did, as we were more involved with the float tanks, we realized the more possibilities we could use the squeeze ball for. And so um, I would have to expand and make the squeeze ball able to do more things. So this, this squeeze ball, it's like a tennis ball? Some, it, it's a ball that you have in the float tank that you're holding onto while floating? You have um, a bulb, kind of, it's a very large pipette. If you've ever um, done chemistry lab, you have a pipette bulb or maybe a hand dynamometer, but it's kind of like this egg thing. You squeeze it, okay. and normally it changes the pressure, and you read it on a dial. But I took off the okay. dial and put on some electronics, so it sends that squeeze data to a control computer. Nice. And the original intent for that was to communicate to the researchers outside of the float room? Mm -hmm. And, and what, what, what were they trying to communicate? It could be like a help button? Yeah, a help button or um, subjective responses. Like if we wanted to ask, like, hey, Dylan, how's the float going? Zero out of 10. Instead of having to verbally say, you know, like seven, you could just give a little squeeze. And that's a lot less invasive. You don't have to um, hear yourself talk and you can kind of stay floating a little bit easier. Nice. Are you actually able to measure how hard you're squeezing onto it? Yeah, we, from zero to 30 PSI. So no one's going to be able to break it. <laughs> Very cool. Um, I am curious about... I'm, I'm curious about a few things. One is, what is all the equipment that you're using? What is all the data that you're gathering in the float tank? And um, I'm also curious about what were things that maybe Justin or the crew wanted to measure, but it turns out um, either isn't possible in a float tank because of the conditions or it was scrapped because it affects the actual float experience. Let's see. I'll go over what we measure right now. Mm -hmm. So we have um, 
a device called a biopatch. Okay. And it goes right here on your chest, and that measures your heart rate and your breathing rate. And then we're experimenting with cuffs for blood pressure specifically at different points during the float. And then we mm -hmm. have the squeeze ball mm -hmm. for squeezing. And we used to have a sleep profiler. Like you can buy those to um, kind of gauge how deep your sleep is mm -hmm. or if you're sleeping. And that one ran into problems because it wasn't made to be waterproof. And the waterproofing that was kind of um, improvised and wasn't very effective. Okay. So that's um, a problem. Things get very wet and salty in the float tanks, as you know. Indeed. So, which is um, deadly for electronics. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we're looking into um, EEG data also. Yeah. Um, have you cracked the nut on that one? Um, we have a couple devices that we're looking at, but we haven't, um, I think we're settled on one, but we have yet to fully implement it into a study. And it's, it's a third party device designed for water. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Um, and I believe Colleen mentioned, and I think this was something you were working on while I was in Tulsa, was um, tracking body movement. Is that still happening? Yeah, it, um, we track um, not your, we're not like taking pictures of your body, yep. mm -hmm. but we know where your, where your joints are. Mm -hmm. And from that, we can construct a skeleton. So um, that's important to see um, when people move. Like we can tell if they're um, fidgeting a little bit or uh, how often mm -hmm. they move their hands. And so it's recording gross movements of the body. Um, the best way I could describe it is kind of how a five-year-old would draw draw somebody. It's it's really a stick figure, and it and it can move around. So there's no detail to it other than than the motion of your limbs. It's it's actually mm -hmm. really really fun to play with and, and really interesting. Um, and other than visually, it's actually recording the data of movement as well, or is it just a visual record? Yeah, we have a threshold of what a, what we define a movement to be. Okay. So if you make like a sharp movement, that'll count as one movement. Okay. So we can kind of see, maybe you might be very fidgety during your first couple floats, but as you progress, you don't fidget as much. Very interesting. Cool. And so you're tracking individual floaters over time and how that changes? Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, blood pressure. Why is it important to track blood pressure in a, in a float tank? Uh, we want to see how floating affects blood pressure. Mm-hmm. So we don't know if it increases blood pressure or decreases it, or it might even have no effect at all. Interesting. Okay. But, mm -hmm, but yeah, that's what we want to find out. Got it. Um, is there anything um, in the past, uh, Tom Fine was doing research and checking cortisol levels. Is, is there anything mm -hmm. that physiologically that you're testing on floaters? Uh, things that are more, I don't know if intrusive is the right word, but just not passively uh, watching the person or analyzing the person? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are in the midst of a study that does um, magnesium in your blood levels. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Nice. That, that's what I think everybody wants to, to find out the answer for. Excellent. Mm -hmm. um, and was there anything that uh, turned out you just couldn't do um, or that you're still working on to develop as far as technology goes for research? The EEG has taken a while mm -hmm. just because on um, the nature of the float tanks with... Um, sending wireless data through walls or keeping the wireless okay. data um, safe until you have it on a computer. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, the, is there anything that you're wanting to implement in the future? Um, or maybe even something that you've, based on current research, that you now realize you want to explore further and maybe need to develop something for? The ideal, like far into the future, like yeah. the future of floating, would definitely be a float tank in an, inside of an MRI scanner. <laughs> right. But that, that's pretty far away. MRI scanners don't like water. Right. So that would be tricky. In the near future, yeah. I think the most important would be the EEG 
Mm -hmm. and we're um we're on our way with that one cool nice very exciting Mm -hmm. um so you're not the only one to deal with uh, electronics and and salt water it's uh it's something that a lot of floaters and a lot of float center owners um, experiment with i'd say the number one thing is just trying to listen to music in a float tank um it's uh it's not always great with speakers in the water and depending on where you are, it can change the volume. And so, um, wireless earbuds or wireless headsets are attempted quite a bit. It's for the whole time I've been floating on, on different discussion groups, people are trying to figure this one out. And eventually it seems like they always get shorted out. Have you found any secrets or any tips that the community could use to help waterproof and, and not just waterproof, you know, the salt proof these devices. Oh man. Um, (laughs) Working with the devices that I have had, yeah. um, if you want to make something wireless, like usually involves taking out a battery, putting it in. But if the best way to seal something would be to close it and then never have to open it up again. <laughs> right. So maybe wireless charging would be the easiest and best. Ah, okay. So like um, it would need to be a, a water sealed headset from the start and a wireless charger. Is... Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. If you have an unlimited budget, what kind of research would you like to see happen? And you definitely answered some of that with, uh, with the um, MRI machine. Is there any other mm-hmm. kind of future research you'd like to see? Uh, me personally? Yeah. Like, uh, here at Liber? Or just... Uh, in regards to floating, yeah. yeah. Okay. Personally, I think that there is some therapeutic benefit to floating. And I don't know exactly how. I'm not very well versed in psychology. Sure. But I think that maybe... Um, floating can be used with or to supplement um, current existing therapies. Okay. Like maybe instead of having a person with a psychologist and then somebody else laying down in a chair, we can have someone, a psychologist and someone floating. And how about you personally? As um, we talk about athletes who float, we talk about um, people suffering from PTSD or depression, anxiety, all these reasons, these benefits for floating. As, as an engineer, what benefit do you get from floating? As you float and immediately after, you're just super relaxed, and which is great if you're busy or stressed. It's nice to have a time just to be able to, you know, not think about all the crazy things. Nice. When we were talking earlier, you uh, you, get, you sent me an email that mentioned that uh, you're an asset to the lab, not only as an ear engineer, but as a model. Were you the model in the oh, yeah. Time Magazine article? Was that you? Mm-hmm. Nice. What did you think about that article? I really enjoyed it. I liked, you know, especially if I'm in it, of course. But right. The, um, I don't know, maybe it's all of the reporting on floating. It kind of feels, um, well, from my perspective, my perspective, like a little sensationalized. Mm-hmm. I think there's um, a lot of hard science going on, mm-hmm. but um, that's always not the most interesting to people reading magazines. Oh, interesting. So maybe that belongs in a different magazine. But um, Did you think the Time Magazine article sensationalized it a little bit? I mean, floating is, um, it's new and so it's strange to people who haven't heard it before so i think mm-hmm. it's hard to avoid that mm-hmm. but um, a little sensationalized but they did an excellent job um presenting it in a um non-biased manner cool nice um and, and I'd, I'd have to agree as well i thought that was one of the the better articles that were put out there i was really excited to see that and also um in connection with ptsd which um of, of all things floating really seems to have an impact on um, is there anything else that you wanted to share about LIBOR, what you're doing there, or anything in regards to, to your job? Um, I kind of mentioned this before, but um, probably what I enjoy the most is learning the way that um, 
the research, especially with people, goes on because I'm used to working with electronic devices. So it's really strange moving from devices that have data sheets to people. <laughs> and people are kind of weird sometimes, but it's really fun to study them. Interesting. And do you have any preference now? Do you like working with people, the, the challenge of it? Or do you prefer just the, the data sets? <laughs> <laughs> I like studying people. That's fun. <laughs> cool, man. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. And I uh, look forward to hearing more from you and your, your team in the future here. Okay, yeah, definitely. Cool. Thanks, Will. You're listening to the Art of Floating podcast.